0: See you.
1: Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Alison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in my studio with Tony Thaxton. Hello. Hello. That's me. And my guest, you know him from Pod Yourself a Gun, where first they were recapping The Sopranos mm-hmm. podcast, and I came on a couple times and hooked them up with a great guest, which yes, I'm sure did. I'm sure we'll get into. Oh yeah! And now they're going through the wire. He mm-hmm. is a comedian. He is a writer. He appears on Good Mythical Morning. He just had a baby. Please put your hands together for Matt Lee. Hey,
2: thank you, thank you. Hello,
0: Hi. welcome.
2: So glad to be here. So glad to be in person. I, I haven't know. done anything in-person podcast in, I think, in in years, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's all been Zoom since, like, 2020.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, yes, because Vince Mancini, which mm-hmm. is how I met you, yeah. Um, with whom you do Pod Yourself a Gun, mm-hmm. lives in Fresno now. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So he was I'm trying to remember, like, time is all messed up in my head. I don't remember when he moved. I think he moved before the pandemic. So we started doing... He was living in LA, mm-hmm. and uh, and we had a great little life together. You know, <laughs> we would hang out all the time. We would podcast together, and in then, person. In person, I would go to his house. I would pet his dog, and then he fell in love with his now wife, and uh, she lived in Fresno, oh. and so he moved back to Fresno because that's where he's from. So, um, yeah, she stole. Stole him away from me.
1: Why didn't she move here? That's what You're I said. Here,
2: I know that's what a- I said. And
1: L. A. is here. And
2: that's what I said. I was yeah. like, why move to be with the love of your life when the love of your life, if she truly is that, will give up her job and her family. Oh,
1: she's got all that in front. She's us now.
2: got a whole bunch of stuff, but I mean, so what? <laughs> we have Universal Studios. <laughs> we have California pizza kitchens uh, that only exist here yeah um, the
1: original bob's big boy the yes fresno doesn't have that Fresno doesn't have
2: oh. shit comparatively mm-hmm. can i yeah. say shit of course you can fuck yeah fuck yes yeah yeah so fresno
1: i feel like all fresno has no offense vince no and, offense and love of his life mm-hmm. and child now mm-hmm. and dog Yeesh. they have that uh spoof miniseries about raisins with carol burnett
2: oh i didn't know that oh
1: yeah tony did this come up? on a show that you were on recently or was this on a daniel and me show that where you were not here because i feel that i looked this up recently
3: i don't recall this okay it look like up- i would have heard that
2: it's way. a spoof show so it's, it's not a real show is a sketch
1: no it sorry it was a real show like a but sitcom
2: it was, set in fresno it
1: was a spoof of dynasty oh so it was like a satire wow um i want to say it might have been madcap and screwball but i'm not sure okay. about that but tony can you look it up it had like a pretty crazy cast.
2: Right. And it was set in Fresno. And it was called Fresno. It was called Fresno.
1: And set in Fresno. And set in Fresno. And, in Fresno. and does Fresno have a lot of – I mean, do you, do you work for the Fresno Chamber of Commerce? I do, in okay, fact. Okay, great. I'm and, actually
2: the, the president of oh, the
1: – And a member?
2: And both. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, do they
1: have like a large raisin exporting situation? Because uh, according you know, to the show, I think she was an, a raisin heiress. She,
2: that makes sense. I could see them being – into raisins over there. They certainly have a lot of sun. I feel like uh, both grapes and raisins need sun. Yeah. But I don't know much about Fresno other than... Um,
1: and you work there?
2: I mean, I know. That's the thing. They just <laughs> hired me because they were like, we needed you. So, uh, you know, in order to, you know, diversity. Right. You're a diversity hire. I was a diversity hire. and uh, But I, yeah, I still, you know, I'm still going through the Wikipedia page to Got it. really learn about the wonders of fresno
1: i want to get back to the fact that you're a jew mm. but tony
3: yeah it was it was not an actual show it was a five episode miniseries. series okay, okay. well uh, nowadays well, that's, a that's a whole season that's on hbo season. Yeah, but, exactly. but back in the day yeah a limited series How okay. about that? Right. Is that yeah. better yeah. uh 1986 comedy miniseries, parodied uh primetime soap operas and yeah, it not raisins necessarily, but grapes mm.
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Well, they certainly have a lot of agriculture. Um, they have a lot of uh, I feel like they have a, a a large proportion of Chinese food buffets out there. I base that on the one time I went to a wedding in Fresno and I had my pick of the litter of Chinese food buffets, which are my favorite that's my favorite dining experience. Like
1: while you were not at the restaurant. I mean, not at the wedding. Right. Yeah. In yeah. between
2: going to the wedding, I was like, I'm hungry. What to eat? And it was just like, go to the Chinese food buffet. We have 70.
1: I'm going to blow your mind. Go ahead. I think. I don't really know like the threshold of your mind and my mind blown. is
2: very brittle so you can blow it pretty okay so, great yeah
1: i've never been to a chinese food buffet uh, i love i
2: just have a stroke
1: <laughs>
0: oh, no, <laughs> oh, no. come back yeah.
1: totally get the smelling salts <laughs> yeah. i knew they would come in handy one yeah. day i've been to um like a all you can eat sushi buffet okay. situation yeah
2: yeah yeah uh, but that it just had sushi it didn't have chinese oh right like one of those ones
3: in new the- york
1: oh wait was it pan-asian i don't think so mm. i think it was just
3: just sushi
1: now I'm not 100% sure. You're I, talking
3: like the conveyor belt thing? No, although yeah, yeah. that
1: is like where your sushi goes on a ride. Yeah. How yeah. cool is that? No, it was uh, it was this place where you're like, I know I'm going to get food poisoning. Yeah. Here's my money. Yeah, that was a
2: Chinese food buffet. Okay. I, it, it's probably not the correct uh, nomenclature. It's just a, a Pan-Asian buffet is probably the okay. way to go. Okay. Um, and they
1: have sushi there too. Yeah,
2: they'll have a sushi area. They have like a Mongolian barbecue area. They have like all of the just anything you can get from, you know, most Chinese food places. Mm-hmm. They have it just in giant troughs and you can just put your little snout in there and just um, nom nom nom. <laughs> you know, that's what I like to do. So,
1: <laughs> and, there, and and you went to 70 of them. That's what I
0: heard. All
2: at once. Well, uh, oh no, I, I had my pick of the litter. It was great. And every time I mention the, uh, you know, large proportion of Chinese food buffets to Vince. He says, No, that's not true. And I'm like, Well, I'm pretty sure I remember a little bit from that one time yeah. when I was 18 and went to my first wedding.
1: Why is he gaslighting you? I don't
2: know. I don't know. He does that ever since he moved to Fresno. He's just like, Don't make fun of it. I'm like, Come on, bro. What yeah, happened? Be cool. You? Yeah, he used to be cool. He used to, like, whatever, dude. He got married, he had a baby, not me. I could never do that.
1: But you did. I did. Just get married and have a baby.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: What's the timeline of all this?
2: Uh, The marriage and the baby? Yeah. Um, I proposed in May of, or like, yeah, it was like May or June of 2021. Okay. Uh, She got pregnant, or I found out she was pregnant in January of 2022. Um, so then our wedding was June 2022 and the baby was October 2022. So she was pregnant at the wedding. What
1: a whirlwind.
2: It was a busy year, dude. That was, uh, that was crazy. Yeah. Luckily, everything's calmed down since the baby arrived.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Typically, things calm down, yeah. right?
2: You know, they don't tell you that. With the whole pregnancy thing, you're just like, there's all this stuff you're doing, all this preparation, and it's all set for like this date, like this big date I when know. this thing happens. And then after it happens, you want to be like, all right, now, you know, now done. we rest. Now we rest. There is no rest. You just no, keep it's going. A thousand times worse, actually, yeah. because you,
1: I don't know how her labor was uh-huh. for either of you. However, for me, I was like, I've never been more weak depressed and tired and now i have to take care of this thing yeah yeah,
2: yeah. they really uh yeah they don't make it easy Mm-mm. to have a child like, biologically, like... oh the jews oh <laughs> right <laughs> who control the baby yes.
1: and yeah. the money and, and the media They
2: control it all uh no um no the you know it's like your biology doesn't make it easy Mm-mm. because it's uh I It's it's almost preferable to not know you're pregnant and then just one day you have a baby oh, because right. then the starting point is that day that you had a baby as opposed to four weeks after you conceive, finding out you're pregnant, and then it's a whirlwind. Yes. And it's like, why are we adding this extra eight months of learning about <laughs> stuff when you could just not know, dog?
1: Right and then you'll end up kind of the same level of prepared.
3: Uh, exactly. Did
1: you do you feel like all the classes and all that stuff helped?
2: Um I mean, I guess not really. I don't know. I feel like um the the most helpful thing was learning about um like how the actual labor is going to go and and what things to do as like a partner to someone who's pregnant to um make them comfortable um especially during like like Uh pre-labor and stuff and then also you know as the pregnancy gets bigger and bigger and stuff like learning how to make her comfortable was a big thing but like the reading about baby when baby comes useless information.
1: Oh, did you have what to expect when you're expecting?
2: We had Because the we had the other book, the oh. what to actually expect idiots. Oh. Yeah, cuz that book uh, what to expect when you're expecting, uh no longer canon. No longer baby (laughs) canon. It is uh, a lot of um, debunked information. Really? Uh, Yeah. I wish I
1: had known that because it is written in such a nauseating style. Oh,
2: yeah. I hate, I
1: I would like to set that book on fire. It sounds like culture already has.
2: Yeah, culture has decided uh, that uh, that has been canceled. Uh, What to expect? Uh, is over Mm. and now it's like it's the other book was called like expecting more or something or expecting is it
1: called expecting better Expecting by emily oster yes i've had her on the show yeah she's great yeah
2: she's great that book is like um i I feel like the main purpose of that book is to do like real data collection Mm -hmm. on um all the stuff that what to expect when you're expecting was claiming because like one of the things was like coffee will give you miscarriage mm-hmm. which uh in expecting better they're like no that's there's no factual basis for right. that like uh their data set that they used was like flawed and didn't take into account all this other shit and it basically was just like more kind of uh, along the lines of like all this stuff they tell you not to do like you know is not
1: eating sushi not eating sushi all right. that stuff
2: it's like Some of it's true, but, Mm -hmm. uh, like, most of it is bullshit, and I thought that was useful.
1: And what I thought was really interesting about the um, coffee can lead to miscarriage thing Mm. is that – so Emily Oster, who's a statistician, looked at all the data – Possibly an explanation for why the coffee drinkers had more miscarriages is that oftentimes when the hormones are rising at the beginning, you lose your taste for coffee. So in the women who drank coffee, conceivably their pregnancies weren't like progressing normally right so it wasn't the coffee that caused it it's that women and i know if you're listening to this and you're pregnant and you still are craving coffee do not worry there's other factors too yeah yeah but it could be that the women whose pregnancies weren't strong still wanted coffee
2: yeah and it was it was just like i just remember that a lot of the way uh that they were collecting the data for it like didn't it was a lot of like like the correlation equals causation stuff. Yes. So uh, there is a correlation between people who drink a lot of coffee and have miscarriages. And it's like, therefore, coffee gives you miscarriages. Right. No. It's a leap. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge leap. And it's not true. You can drink coffee. So if so- you do and a miscarriage happens, uh, it's not because of the coffee. mm
1: it's because you listen to Matt. It's because you
2: listen to me. That's my bad.
1: Um. So when it came time to have the baby, mm-hmm. d- uh, like, were you able to actually help her with physical comfort and stuff? Because Daniel and I practiced all this stuff. Yeah. And then when I was in labor, I was like, "Don't touch me." Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. We. I. I was able to, but um. Uh. Mostly it was we did get a doula. Mm-hmm. Like a a labor a labor doula. Right. Um. Who was teaching us a lot of stuff uh, about like what moves would help like pressing against like the, the back muscles and stuff, you know? Uh, And that, that stuff was helpful. I was able to help, but also once the doula arrived, it was like, (laughs) my wife was just like, all right, Mac, you could go. go, go." (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm going to try to sleep. Cause she started going through like early labor, like at 10 PM. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this kind of a drag <laughs> uh, I'm sleepy, though. So I'm going to sleep, but fucking, you know, let me know when you got to go to the hospital. No, I helped. But uh, uh, it was Dawn was really helpful. Dawn the doula. She is uh, she's an angel. She's really amazing. She's the reason why uh, I think everything went smoothly because she made sure. And I think every pregnant person needs this. Uh, you need someone to. To let you know that you're actually allowed to uh get uh, to give birth uh any fucking way you want to, mm-hmm. whatever way is comfortable, and that um there are a lot of like nurses and doctors and whatnot who are very stringent and have very like, well, this is the right way to do it. Yeah. And but they can't tell you, um, no, you can't labor on your side. Mm. Like they they they'll they can say things like um well it's a lot harder for us and blah 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 and a lot of people like cave okay whatever whatever you say doctor whatever you say rn you know you know best right um and that just stresses out the person in labor the truth of it is though you can just tell that person like hey um this is more comfortable for me so i'm going to do this i'm
1: just thinking back to my so my first my second birth went really well but my first one was like hard yeah, it was uh there was thick meconium. He had to go to the he had to be like resuscitated, go to the NICU, oh, but also oh, it was yeah. like a 41 hour induction. It was just oh, wow. and I felt really um
2: put upon or
1: I felt like like I was just like a a vessel for the baby and I felt really like yeah. sidelined yeah. and dehumanized yeah. and it, it like the hospital is kind of known for being – some people have great births there, but like for mm. being a bit of a baby factory and – Which
2: hospital it? Ho- Cedars. Oh, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, Do, yeah, where,
1: yeah, yeah. Where did you guys – We
2: did Huntington. In That's Pasadena. where I had my
1: second and it was like so – it was so it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I just think a lot of the people that were taking care of me there um, were sick of caring for pregnant people because yeah. I felt – it was similar to like – I kind of had a similar thing with my wedding where I felt mm. like – a lot of the vendors were just like, "Okay, bride," and I'm right, like, "No, yeah. like I'm I'm not just a type." Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I felt yeah. like I there was a lot of like, well, you know, the laboring women think this, but really, the, yeah. But so anyway, I definitely had preferences for what position to be in, what was more comfortable. But they were telling me, "Oh, you have to be sitting up now. You have to be doing this. You have to be doing this." Yeah. And I just did what they wanted, but right. like, there certainly were positions that would have been way more comfortable.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and one of the things Dawn was able to tell us it was basically how to navigate those situations how basically you don't want to be like you don't want to be a dick because like, right, they you don't are antagonize yeah them. you don't want to antagonize them because you want them to you know like take care of you Right. Yeah. uh which is like a fucked up what a fucked up position to be in we're well, so like,
1: vulnerable yeah you're, you're so super vulnerable. vulnerable that's part of why i didn't want to advocate for myself yeah but i was able to the second time but the first time is because i'm just like I'm completely at your mercy. I want to stay on your good side.
2: Right. Yeah. And it's such a shitty position that I think, you know, there are, I would say the vast majority of medical professionals are not bad people. Right. Obviously, but there are,
1: but there's burnout.
2: There are, there's burnout and there's, uh some god complex shit with medical professionals yeah. and uh you know kind of like they think they know better than everyone um and you might say to yourself well yeah i mean they've done a lot of births and stuff like that and it's like yeah but everyone's body is different mm-hmm. it's just true everyone uh there is not a one size fits all thing and i think that like for some Nurses especially, they'll be like, well, it's easier for me if you mm-hmm. were to do this. And it's like, well, it's harder for the person who's <laughs> shitting a baby out of their vagina. Come yeah. on. Give them give them a break. But uh, yeah, um, shitting a baby out of the vagina is the way I, I put it. Is that a it's, uh, normal and good? It's beautiful. Um, thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, I thought you were going to say shitting the baby out. Yeah. And then I was wondering whether to break it to you that that's not where the baby comes out. But then you Sometimes specified – Oh, like if you got a four-degree – it goes – Oh, God. And then you, got you got a cloaca. One
2: cloaca. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful hole. Ugh. We're having fun. So
1: I, any. Go, yeah. No, what were you going to say? I
2: was going to say, uh, usually I talk about the Sopranos and the Wire, so this is a nice <laughs> break.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. You posted something. Mm. It it was like your wife and mm. the baby, and then you flashed over to just some horrendous torture scene on your computer
2: oh yeah what was that? that that was uh
1: i watched it like repeatedly even was, though i can't stand any of that i was like what is going on in this scene
2: oh uh, that was casino that was a scene oh. uh where joe pesci is um got this guy's head in a vice and uh he's trying to get a name mm. i think it's mickey m i forget uh, charlie m yeah he's like you made me pop your fucking eye out for charlie m <laughs> i love it it's a great scene <laughs> of course the baby didn't know what was going on uh that's a great thing about like really early childhood you know like infants is mm-hmm. uh you can just watch whatever like they don't know it's like, True. you can watch all the radar movies you want they're not like you know there's uh
1: they're not taking it in they're not they're taking like, it no. in
2: and and at one point i was like oh you know it'd be fun i'm gonna watch like the little mermaid with uh you know my daughter and i was like she won't know what's going on Mm-mm. and you're gonna have to do this eventually Forever. So just <laughs> yeah. enjoy this right. moment. Enjoy
1: uh, the calm before yes. frozen yes. and Little Mermaid. Yes, yes. Yes, Elliot. Oh um, Elliot has just gotten into Little Mermaid. Oh. And he's super obsessed with the song that do, how well do you know Little Mermaid? Very well. He's super obsessed with poor, unfortunate souls. <sighs> Both of my kids have been singing it.
2: It's such a good song. It,
1: it, it is. It's catchy. But I had never really paid it, attention to it before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had, but like, I don't know, maybe maybe Kiss the Girl was more my spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. now I'm like, I've heard the song over and over and over. And yeah. it's, a, it's quite a number.
2: Oh, it's a banger. I mean, yeah. it's just, uh, and, and like lyrically, it's it's really dense and really good. It's just mm-hmm. really, it's a, that that is a, that's a, that's a, classic song to yeah. me i love that so I, there's stuff uh, this is a uh, also wonderful thing about being a dad is uh the, all the childhood stuff that you're like oh i get to watch like little mermaid again and stuff and and then from a an adult perspective you're like oh this is a this is a crazy ass movie <laughs> <I know. laughs> she is uh 16 years old by the way and uh the prince they don't say the age of the prince mm. but he's uh i think he's full grown
1: yeah uh, wait they say she's 16 yeah okay yeah she's Interesting.
2: she's 16 years old and uh same
1: as Liesel in sound of music is that right yeah she's 16 going on 17 oh that's, that's right the song, that's yeah. a whole
2: there's a whole song about it mm-hmm. yeah yeah I mean you know and uh listen I don't know what the age of consent was in the sea in the sea <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> maybe things are different like maritime right. laws obviously but um uh, yeah that's a weird weird perspective when you're just like Oh, she really should listen to her dad.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know what's really weird is uh, the actual Little Mermaid. I don't know if it's Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah, or... one, one
2: of those weird. North... But you
1: know that it doesn't end.
2: Well, it doesn't end well. No. No. Yeah.
1: Can we spoil it? I, I think she I turns think you... into mist or something. She turns into
2: sea foam. Yes. Yeah. I think she. I don't. I. have never read it. I know the ending because it's just like so not the Disney ending. Right. Uh. But yeah, she turns into sea foam. I. I don't know if there's a. Like, is, is there like a jazzy sea witch in that one, too?
1: I don't know. I feel like I hope so.
2: I hope so, too, because yeah. it's like a great character. Yeah. Ursula rules. And uh, the way Ursula dies, spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen The Little Mermaid. <laughs> it came out in
1: 1986.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she gets uh, stabbed by a boat.
1: Maybe 89. 86 80- was Fresno.
2: Yeah. 89, <laughs> I think, is, is that sounds right, right to me. Uh, But yeah, she gets stabbed by a boat in the end, which uh, as a adult, I'm like, damn, that's a fucked up, fucked up way to die.
1: I know. And you are like, have a PhD in fucked up ways to die. Yeah.
2: I love fucked up ways to die. What's Uh, your
1: favorite fucked up way that you've witnessed?
2: um, I, there was a bunch of guys moving a a metal scaffolding. Uh, I think it was like in China or something.
1: Oh, I, th- I I thought it was going to be from one of the shows
2: you've seen. Oh no, no. But if you, collect- I thought maybe at some point I told you that I I had a phase in which I watched a lot of people dying videos in real life. No, <laughs> it calms me. I don't know why. There's something about it. I mean, it's not great, but you know, everyone's got a thing. <laughs> I'm not horny for it. It's not like a sex thing. It's just like uh, it's just I was a fascination, of faces of death phase. I think uh, people go through that. You know, I don't know.
1: I did not know this, but I'm so glad to have learned this. Yeah, yeah. Is this like one of your things that people know about you? Okay, here's what I know about you.
2: Okay, go ahead.
1: You eat scared.
2: I do? That's because right. you have
1: trouble breathing through your nose. Uh-huh, yeah. So when you eat, you're like frightened that you're going to choke to yeah, death. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But yeah, that's I imagine
1: it's sort of like like a chipmunk or squirrel yeah, or something yeah, like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're, now I know you're extremely tall. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Six six. six, six very which tall. Which for a Jew, I know. wow. I know, I know. Do you come
1: from a tall family?
2: Yeah, pretty tall family. My dad is six one. My mom is five nine. Uh, but my my cousins on my dad's side are like six two, six three, like tall uh, Ukrainian Jewish stock, I guess on on yeah. my dad's side of the family. And then also tall Irish stock uh, on my mom's side. So it's just like two tall people made a right. super tall guy. Okay. Unathletic though, so that's fun
1: really and i bet your whole life people have been like basketball
2: oh yeah yeah Yeah, i have no i have no skills okay no no hand eye coordination
1: so can't breathe through your nose yeah very tall very tall drug problem
2: yeah 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 big drug drug problems 13 years clean and sober
1: nice congratulations uh, yeah 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 went to uc santa cruz that's right that's all I know. So tell us about, uh, that's, it. This, that's all there this is. Is. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, people that is this like one of the things people know about you? Like, oh yeah, he loves pro- to watch people get
2: killed. I think I probably talked about it on my podcast, uh, on the fraudcast, um, which was that was. That's like the original. Oh OG, yeah. me and Vince. I Should I mentioned that? No, 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 no. You don't need to because it's you know that right now we're focused on The Wire and The Sopranos. Okay, but uh, yeah.
1: frott for frottage, frottage. That's exactly is it right. Frottage or frottage?
2: A frottage if you're fancy. <laughs> um, frottage if you're rad.
1: And this is like rubbing up on someone.
2: It's it's yeah. It's when two dicks uh, <gasps> rub together. I didn't know that. It's a metaphor for podcasting. I mean, you know, this was back what over a decade ago when all podcasts were just dudes, literally and figuratively rubbing their. Wait,
1: I about. never knew that, and I consider myself like a an educated
2: word person. Yeah, I, I thought well, you knew about frotage. I you, did. You know, you knew the word, you just didn't know what the sex act entailed.
1: I thought, like, if you're on a subway and you just like go up to someone and like shimmy your body against them, that that's frotage.
2: No, that's a crime. Uh-
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, frotage could also. No, I guess. Depending. I think it's
2: like you're labeling it for, I think, uh, like unwanted for Taj yeah. is a crime.
1: But if it's really just to, if it's really just dick on dick action, yeah. I don't know how, I'm sure someone could come up with a way to do it without I mean, consent, in but gym, in general.
2: Yeah. In general, I think it's a, it's a consensual act between. So it's like a
1: thing people are into.
2: I mean, I assume so. Right. They, they, they give it a nice French name. I right. Think, I think it's French.
1: This whole time I was wrong. Sort of like defenestration.
2: Oh, great word. Is throwing
1: something the, at a window, throwing
2: so, which at, I always yeah.
1: thought it was – I always thought it meant
2: – When you're on a subway and you rub up against a <laughs> Yeah.
1: I thought it was two dicks rubbing against each other. No. I <laughs> thought it was uh, disemboweling.
2: Oh, yeah. Which is
1: something you've probably
2: watched. I've never seen it. Dis- <laughs> see, the types of videos that I watch aren't like um, – normal ways to die it's just like oh "Oh, you can die that way so the 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 people pushing the scaffolding uh i guess it was very tall and it was metal and they they touched some sort of wires and then all at the same time they're just like oh
1: my gosh i was like
2: oh it's pretty bad anyways uh you know there's lots of ways to go dude
1: so when was this interest in watching this
2: i think Not too long after getting sober, I think uh, it was. I don't know. At some point, I discovered like uh, it was like on Reddit or something. It was like Mm -hmm. watch people die, and I was like, yeah, all right. And uh, is
1: there? Do you feel there's a? And I just have to tell you, they got rid of
2: the subreddit. It's gone now because
1: I think the backdrop behind you is barely hanging on to that pole. So in the course of recording this, it might come. It was. It's not gonna make. It's not gonna come crashing down, but it just might. Come my, down a little bit.
3: Yeah, well, that's fine.
1: Uh, so I'm just warning everyone. We're gonna hear a ripping sound. Would mm-hmm. you like
3: me to see if I can address that? Oh my gosh! Or do you want to ride this ride?
1: What do you want to do, Matt?
2: i You know what? I defer to you guys. It's what? your pod. Thanks. Your house. Your studio.
1: Let's just see what happens. It's oh, a beautiful it's
2: Exciting. Yeah. You guys have a wonderful, a wonderful setup here. Thank I really you. Like it. Thank yeah. you very
1: much. Um, is there a relationship do you feel between getting sober and
2: watching people die? Yeah i don't know it could be i mean there's something about i've always uh before i was sober when i you know uh was on a lot of drugs definitely one of the big anxieties that i was uh you know like medicating with drugs was like the fear of death not necessarily my death but just death in general Mm -hmm. um But no, I think it was just like, you know, the internet's crazy where you just like uh, one video uh, leads to another that gets more and more dark and weird, you know. It's like uh, one of the reasons with like porn where I had to be like, you know, uh, I feel like they shouldn't have recommended on <laughs> you know what i mean because it's like you're just gonna get weirder and weirder don't recommend stuff to me i'll 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 just go because then i can get regular that you know you don't want to like start one day and you're just like you know hey i'm watching i like when two people have sex and then 10 years down the line you're just like pee pee poo poo you know i only watch pee pee poo poo now i like yeah, you don't want you don't want that it's like uh, when people get you know uh like red pilled on youtube because mm-hmm. they yeah. watched a video about like ancient rome and it- <laughs> three years later they're just like did you know that the the uh the jews have been kicked out of all the countries because they're bad it's them's fault not certainly not medieval europe's fault right no yeah uh so you know anyways uh, yeah at some point i don't know i think i was you know just uh you just get curious the internet has everything and that's I know. Both a good and a bad thing
1: i think there's something very uh, and and I, there's probably a better way to put it than this, but like very internet-y. Mm. I feel like there's like a certain type of person who grew up in a certain time. I mean, this is going to be the most vague yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. just gonna I'm gonna barf it out, and it. then we're gonna sift through the vomit yeah. and see if there's anything. There's there. a nugget, I'm sure. Yeah. Do you know Kevin Pereira from a- G4? Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah I remember
1: yeah. he talked about becoming desensitized mm-hmm. to like he's you know on the was on the internet and this is the years ago that i had him on the show but right, like right. It was on the internet so much yeah um and just that thing of like becoming desensitized from watching darker and darker like seeing people decapitated and and you know yeah. that kind of stuff and i feel like there's a specific coming of age group that came of age on the internet where you just start watching like mm-hmm. i have no stomach for any. Like I can't even do horror movies or anything. Yeah, like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you thought I was watching a snuff film when I was watching a Martin Scorsese film. <laughs> I know,
1: <laughs> but I know that Daniel has seen beheadings and things like that. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. I saw one of those, but I saw one of those in college when we were in the you beheading know, class. You went in the beheading <laughs> class. No, it was uh, like the war. We were the war in Iraq. And, yes, that's and all when that he stuff. saw it. And and I I someone was like, hey, got the you know, video and uh, everyone just gathered around and watched it. And everyone at the same time was just like, God, I wish I hadn't watched that. Yeah, It was just too, too, too bad. In fact, this is interesting. Beheadings, like those types of videos are so um, grotesque and off-putting that later on when ISIS was around, their social media, like, uh, I guess – the ingeniousness with which they use social media, they realized that they couldn't show the actual act of the beheading. So what they would do is in their like content, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> they made some – they made a lot of content. That yeah. was their big thing was mm-hmm. content. Con-
1: they're a real content farm. They
2: were a content farm. Uh, they, would, um, they would only show after, once the head was off mm-hmm. and then they would like put the head on like the body and that – Made people more kind of like attracted more people to it. Like, yeah, you know, the, because seeing someone get their head sawed off or cut right. off is not – it's is like that will freak people out. But for some reason, if they just cut two in the edit, head already off, people loved it. Or and then they you said they put the head on the body? Yeah, they, yeah just like they took the head and they, 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 oh,
1: the like oh oh in front like of it. Not to, not on the neck. Yeah, just on the chest,
2: yeah. you know, it'd be sitting on the chest, right. right? You know. So uh yeah, anyways, uh yeah, those are pretty even Isis was like, "Well, guys, this is too dark." Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, if you think about it like we're all used to seeing he- chicken
2: Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say heads on bodies, not cut off. Yeah.
1: No, I was like chicken in a store, but I think most of us couldn't handle how it it gets
3: oh, there. totally! Yeah, yeah So yeah, it's yeah.
1: Exactly the same. Tony, have you seen all the all of this stuff before?
3: No, not at all. I, it's not for me. I, I years ago was dating someone that wanted to go to the Museum of Death. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I I did go to that, and I it left uh, left feeling real weird. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was not a, it was not for me.
2: Is it the Museum of Death and Psychiatry? Not that one. That's the that is the Scientology one. No, oh. I've never been yeah. to the Museum of Death.
3: I forget uh, where it is. This was God, a, a decade ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, there, I, and I remember the, the, there was a point where the people working were like, you see this video of a person getting hit by a train or something like that. See that I, I can like, handle. Oh, okay. And I, and even that I was like, yeah, yeah. Is, is, yeah.
1: there's a museum of death and psychiatry. Yeah. There's, what it, What is it? Like old, like old psychiatric. Uh,
2: uh, no, I, I, I've never been to it, but I know that it is just a, Scientology outpost it's like filled with misinformation about psychiatry and then it's like but you know what's good Scientology Scientology (laughs) yeah fucking crazy bullshit
1: so where are you from originally
2: from here from Los Angeles okay yeah
1: uh and then what was your childhood like
2: so pretty normal. Didn't, you know, see any death videos or nothing. <laughs> my parents never beheaded anyone in front of me. Uh my childhood was it was I I was I'm I guess technically the youngest of three. Um I have a twin sister, but she's a minute older than me. So oh, So you're the baby. <laughs> so I'm technically the baby. Uh and yeah, childhood was I would say like fairly fairly normal West LA childhood, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like a uh lower middle class uh family, both parents worked, uh dad had a, a sandwich shop in Burbank. Um Ooh. or I guess Studio City ish called mm-hmm. Nicely's. Uh they made like healthy sandwiches. Uh, Did they
1: it, make it nicely? Is that where the name came from?
2: No, that name came from I think uh he bought it as Nicely's. It was oh. from uh someone who really liked the, the musical guys and dolls. Okay. There's a character nicely nicely johnson i i was i only know that cuz as a little kid i was in guys and dolls uh and i uh, watched that musical a lot um and then my mom was a librarian and uh she stayed at that job forever my dad eventually became a high, a high school science teacher mm. and uh yeah fairly normal childhood lausd schools you know
1: twin sister do you have older siblings too
2: older brother uh and we all live in la still so uh, I'm the only one who moved out uh, for like college and stuff, mm-hmm. so I I didn't I I I never wanted to come back to LA. I don't I, I'm not a fan of this uh, city, but
1: uh, and yet you tried to keep Vince here. That's not very nice.
2: Well, if I have to suffer, <laughs> he has to suffer too. And it's like no, it's I think people who are not from LA I, I, I seem to enjoy it, and uh, I think in general it's got a lot to offer and stuff. But I also am like. You know, have you ever been to any other city? (laughs) They're all so good. (laughs) Yeah. LA is just this giant suburb. uh, And so, even though I'm like from here and am a city boy, I never felt like Mm -hmm. I lived in a city. Every, Mm -hmm. every, no, it doesn't feel like a city. It doesn't feel like a city. Mm -hmm. Every, the only thing that uh, where I knew it was a city was that I would anywhere else I would live. I was like, we're, you know, it's not a lot of people out here, whereas out here, there's always people. Yes. But people on their cars, people, mm-hmm. you know, like in public spaces and stuff, not necessarily like, you know, going to New York and you're just like right. shoulder to shoulder with people. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, anyways, it's a nice enough city. I like it. I feel like uh, I like to talk shit about Los Angeles. Um, But I also get offended whenever someone not from L.A. talks shit about Los Angeles. I'm always just like, fuck you. It's a (laughs) wonderful city. Move then. Even though I'm like – I mostly agree with you. Yeah. Is your sister super tall? She is – yeah, she's like 5'8", 5'9". I mean she's normal. Normal height. A little bit above. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: All right. So you were in Guys and Dolls Mm -hmm. as a young person. Mm -hmm. How did this – tell us everything, please. Yeah,
2: man. We're going to – well, when I was a kid – I liked uh, musicals. Uh, I don't know why.
1: Because they're great.
2: Yeah, because they're great. Um, But uh, yeah, so uh, there was like, you know, a local park kind of like theater thing. Like you could do, you know, the rec center has Mm -hmm. like, you can do basketball, you can do baseball. And then it was like musical theater. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that Uh, straight, by the way. But you know straight people like musical theater too. Yeah. Hey, no big deal. <laughs> uh and uh yeah, so I I did that for a little bit, but I I I don't I didn't like singing in public. So
1: Cuz of uh, the breathing thing?
2: No, the breathing thing. No, cuz I just was <laughs> I was embarrassed. No, that's eating in public. <laughs> uh, uh so uh whenever I would get a role in one of the musicals I was always like the only non-singing character in it. (laughs) So I I played like – I played a cop in Guys and Dolls uh, and then I played a cop in Fiddler on the Roof and I played a doctor in Oliver, all of which did not sing but had little scenes. Nice. Yeah.
1: What was your favorite musical when you were little? And also how did you first get exposed to musical theater?
2: My mom, She's a big – she's a big like theater head she likes like old hollywood she's mm. a big old she's she's like from massachusetts and um for her like hollywood was always like a magical place. yes and i was like no hollywood is a shithole is a shithole <laughs> it is one of the worst places on earth. um but uh yeah so she introduced me to a lot of musical theater and stuff like that and also i was like i i was always like wanted to like entertain but you know So yeah, then one thing led to another, and I uh, became a comedian. So
1: when did that happen?
2: That happened after I got sober.
1: Okay, so let's go back to the drugs then. Okay, drugs. When did the drugs happen, and why? Oh, okay. If you have a why?
2: Oh well, there's always a why. Mm -hmm. I mean, the drugs started happening uh, first middle school. Really? Well, yeah, because like first it was like weed, right? Okay. Um, and then learning that like weed doesn't kill you. Mm. Even though like dare would like teach you like just one hit, that's yeah. all it takes you know, like a cop would come to school and be like,
1: we had, I had dare too, so I know exactly you know what I'm talking I'm about, talking about. yeah
2: and uh and then once you like i mean once you smoke weed for the first time when you're like a a kid not that far removed from there and you don't die, and in fact you have kind of a good time, you're just like, what?" What else are they lying this about? This
1: is exact. You're, this is the speech I have made yeah. about my little cocaine problem in New York, which yeah. by the way, I don't touch anything anymore, but yeah. I was so, and I was 27 when I did it, which yeah. I feel like really get the experimentation out of your system when you're young because <laughs> yeah. there's something bad. I mean, it, like it's, more acceptable to be experimenting when you're in high school, not when you're fucking twenty seven. But anyway, yeah, no, but I was, I was twenty seven is still
2: a baby. I think we can mm, say I, now. thank you. Yeah, yeah. But
1: I was the person who was like, you do it once and you have a heart attack and die, right? And so then when I didn't, and in fact, like,
2: had a great time. It was pretty
1: fun. Wrote
2: a screenplay. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Felt like I was glowing and yeah. really enjoyed talking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like it really. Cinched my relationship with it, yeah. So I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about.
2: Yeah, because you're like, you know, then it starts feeling like they're they're telling you not to do it because uh, society's masters don't want you to have too much fun yeah. or something, or like it's just like, oh, they want you to conform or whatever, whatever <laughs> got, kind of. The man has his boot on your neck. The man has his boot on your neck, and you are freeing yourself yes. by. Uh, s- just doing drugs and make you feel by,
1: stupid by, by curdling your brain. <laughs> yes,
2: by curdling your brain, you're just like I'm free. Um, so yeah, you know, you start there, and then um, I had a thing actually um, in high school. I had a problem. Um, I had a. I, I don't know how to put this, this. Is gonna this is? I had a problem with cocaine. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a cocaine problem. I had a problem with. Because the high school I went to had like um, uh, a magnet program and there was a good amount of uh, like rich industry kids. Mm-hmm. Like their 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 parents would be like, you should go to public school. And this is my, my home school. So that's why uh, I went there. And I, I, I entered the music magnet because I liked playing music. But then I would just like be introduced to these like kids who would I think – anywhere else be private school kids mm-hmm. and not to like i'm not trying to flatten everyone's like experience on every private school kid is bad or whatever but like i've always hated these types of like industry kids They're, to me uh, I, I i have a resentment that i have to work on because it's not fair to them because some are you know
1: my you know. husband has the exact same thing by the way
2: I, it's just like it's a
1: real, a real chip on your it's, it's a chip on my shoulder yeah. against
2: like like these kids who would just seem like you had know, everything handed to them. Through nepotism, they're yeah. going to be fine. And they all were kind of like – I felt like they were a cool kid crew and they would mm. have like parties and they'd be like, yeah, we do cocaine. And me and my friends uh, were kind of like losers. <laughs> and uh, But you
1: did drugs. That's so cool.
2: Well, yeah. But, we, we, but that was the thing though. We were like, we're cool too, mm. but we're not going to do – cocaine we're gonna do opiates oh my god (laughs) yeah so we were like
1: i see so when you say you had a cocaine problem like you had a bias against i had a
2: bias against cocaine uh until you know i eventually uh warmed up to cocaine in college i was like actually you know cocaine's kind (laughs) of (laughs) tight but i like i did i I had a thing where i was like um no that's lame you Mm -hmm. know cool kids real drug addicts who love the game are about, <laughs> who like or like heroin and So you so, were doing
1: heroin in high school
2: yeah that well oh that's when goodness. i first tried it and like different opiates uh you know uh, but like
1: pills or like street stuff or
2: well uh, heroin street. heroin street because that's the only place you can get it yeah. uh and uh other opiates like morphine um or uh Delauded or Vicodin or all that stuff, uh, that was like pill form. Mm -hmm. So you either buy from someone who has like a connection or uh, later in my drug addiction, I started uh, – I worked at a doctor's office when I was in college. Uh, Because I was like really wedded to I'm going to be a functioning addict. And part of that was going to be good for you. Yeah. Well, I was like, I think I can do this (laughs) because it's my favorite thing. Drugs. Drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like opiates were like my absolute favorite thing. And I always felt like the only problem with opiates was that. Uh, society didn't just let you like have a consistent like uh, opiate supply, Mm -hmm. and I felt like, well, if I could just do this every day, because I could still go to work. I graduated college. Uh, I mean, I cheated my way through most of it, but I still graduated. Uh, and uh, so I don't know. I at the time I felt like you know. Well, I, I'm not going to quit doing it. So I, I got a job at a doctor's office and I stole a triplicate prescription pad. And so I would write myself prescriptions for wow. Dilaudid. Yeah. And
1: you never got caught.
2: Never got caught. And it was like. That's so. Yeah. I mean, I. It, hardcore. I only ever did this uh a handful of times. And so like, it's not like I. uh, It was it was at a point at which I didn't have a connection. And mm. I was like, fuck it. And I was so nervous the fucking first time. But. You know, thing is, is like part of the bias of pharmacists is they see just like a kid, and like I was wearing a button mm. button shirt because I was coming from work, uh, and I was like, you know, maybe uh, maybe they won't suspect, and they never really did, which was which was great. Uh, and uh, and I also had this plan that I never had to put into action, but it was like working the front desk at the doctor's office if they. Um, called uh sometimes you get pharmacists calling just to make sure you would answer it i would answer it and so i was like i was waiting to see like if they call i'm the one who fucking picks up the phone like i'm the one who's gonna hear the answering machine message so that was my plan if anything you know got screwy and i never did and uh you know uh did you leave that job on your own i left that job so you weren't fired or anything um, no, I did end up quitting uh but i i so I left that job all my friends forced me to leave after i had a I had a seizure at the job um drug induced uh, uh withdrawal induced okay. I was trying to get off of at this point morphine mm. and uh so I was like i'll i'll uh, I'll wean myself off and um I didn't wean myself off because it's really hard to be like. Okay, now do a little bit less, and you're we like, no, 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 I'll get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, I just ran out. I was like, oh fuck! All right, well, we'll see how it goes. And then I had uh, a seizure, um, which I later realized was because of withdrawal. At the time, I was like, why the fuck did I have a seizure? Did you think
1: you might be epileptic, or like, what did you think? No,
2: I thought it was because I was trying to take this other thing. Um, it was like Traumadol, which was like something is like that's an opiate, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like it's not not like a schedule. Uh, through four or whatever or i mm-hmm. forget which schedule so it wasn't a schedule two it was like a schedule three um so it's
1: easier easier to, to get. get
2: literally yeah. it was like at the doctor's office and i was like i'll just take a bunch of that to wean off and so i thought it was because i took like 15 of those uh, but later uh, i realized i was like oh that was me with that was withdrawals is because yeah. i was like doing like fucking hundreds of milligrams of uh of morphine a day and I then i have a
1: science question i don't yeah. know if you'll know the answer yeah uh, if you guys had gone to the... Oh, no. I was going to say if you had gone to the Museum of Death, Death and Psychiatry, but that's no Okay. <laughs> so if you had taken enough tramadol, though, right. would that have quelled the seizure
2: because it is also an opiate? I don't know. Uh, my entire knowledge of, like, psychopharmacology and all that shit was based on Wikipedia articles that I would read. and it, it, So, like, at the time, it was like is this an opiate? And it was kind of like, yeah, kind of. Well, it acts on this one particular opiate receptor Mm -hmm. in your brain. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't know what that means, but probably means like, yeah, it's a little bit of an opiate. It was like, okay, so I have to do a lot. (laughs) Like I was a real dumbass about it. Did you
1: get hurt during the seizure?
2: I I uh got my uh I dislocated my shoulder. Mm. And then I woke up and uh cuz I didn't know I had a seizure. I just woke up. Apparently, I woke up going fuck. <laughs> fuck. And and I don't remember this at all. <laughs> but my coworkers were telling me afterwards uh and I woke up surrounded by um paramedics. Oh wow. And uh
1: so there was enough time to get the paramedics there.
2: Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, enough time had passed that paramedics were there um because this was an office building it wasn't like we were in a hospital or nothing mm-hmm. but yeah so i don't know how long it was for but i think it's seizures are like 10 minutes or something oh, really? well, well you okay. don't seize for 10 minutes yeah. but i think the blank space who knows mm-hmm. i don't know i'm not right. a seizure expert but i was surrounded by paramedics and um uh for the pain of like popping that back in they gave me morphine and i was like Six. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, oh wow. And then I got a prescription, uh, afterwards for Dilaudid. for, uh, because like, uh, like seizure- legit. Yeah, a, a legit. legit one. A legit mm-hmm. one. Um, uh, because the pain of, uh, of a, uh, seizure is like, it's like all your muscles mm-hmm. tense. So you are, right. you're like sore. It's like you ran a marathon for like a few days. You feel like, like dog shit.
1: Were you, Injecting heroin in high school?
2: Yeah. yeah, Wow.
1: And you learned to do that on Wikipedia?
2: I learned – no, that I learned from a friend first and then eventually – I mean once you you realize it's it's like very simple. Mm. Like a baby could do it. I mean, I'm gonna teach my baby to do. Yeah, you should <laughs> yeah. really,
1: because in my mind, oh, so, so I did IVF, so I uh, I know how to inject, but I've only ever ever done like subcutaneous. I right. the idea of trying to get in a vein sounds hard. Oh, it's
2: very simple. It's the, the easiest thing. Yeah, because especially in your arms, the vein is like right there, Man. and you just uh you know you just go at an angle and. Uh, there you are. Yeah. And it's not its not painful or nothing. You know, it's like you, – you, it's, yeah, very easy to do, especially with like a fresh – the only time it's like painful is if you're reusing it. A... Which you did. Uh, eventually, I uh, stopped doing that because I was like getting um, these little uh, like infections. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's not good. And I worked in college. I worked at a um, – or I volunteered at a needle exchange. Uh, so that – so i had a nice steady supply yeah. uh
1: did your parents have any no any, ideas no right. ideas so yeah you
2: know, wow yeah yeah i mean they didn't know until my friend your
1: your siblings
2: no none of them knew until my friends uh so i they forced me to quit that job because after I, I had the seizure and you know i think uh some of my friends had known that i had had issues in the past oh. and they were like this is fucking he's back on drugs no, like, you can't work there anymore. And I was like, fine. Uh and uh they had sort of an intervention for me. Cool.
1: Yeah, that's that my question is like, how did they obviously like they it was more intense than just like we think you should quit. Yeah, that was no, the, the intervention.
2: No, they straight up had an intervention. Uh it was uh uh I like woke because at this time I, I was like um like homeless. I was like living at friends' houses. Why? Uh because I wasn't paying rent anywhere. And Wait, how
1: old were you at this point? Like
2: 22.
1: So this is after college.
2: Yeah. After okay. college. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had moved uh to uh, the Bay Area because mm-hmm. um, uh, the job at the doctor's office had an office in Emeryville. So mm. I was like, transfer me over there. I want to live in the Bay. I don't want to be in Santa Cruz anymore. Um. And so, yeah, all my friends got together, uh, and there were they literally. I woke up at my friend's house, and they were all sitting in a circle. And I was like, "Really, guys? Really? Are we?" It was. I was like, "This is so cringe, basically." <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, they all like kind of like, uh, uh, you know, they all took turns telling me that I had to like uh, get my shit together and whatnot, and uh, and I yelled at them for all being drunks because i was like you guys drink all the time like the way i rationalized it it was Mm -hmm. like everyone everyone i know drinks every day sometimes multiple times a day and then gets really drunk like a few times a week Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and i barely drink like i didn't really have like the only time I ever had like an alcohol problem was when I was like, I'm going to stop doing drugs for a bit. And then I would just like drink my, my ass off until mm-hmm. I decided that drugs would be better. <laughs> um, and I was like, why is it that you guys – why is it that society <laughs> says that you guys can just drink and it's all good but I can't do just a little bit of heroin, a gentleman's dose every <laughs> – couple of hours and, and uh oh yeah no like why why is basically i was like wait what, like why am i different and right. they're like well none of us have had a seizure and i was like i knew you told them i fucking knew it uh and uh yeah so they told me basically uh you know if you if you start using again um then we're gonna tell your family and i was oh. like okay and so I, I quit for a little bit and then uh you know I didn't, and then they told my family, and that was the first they heard of it. They were unhappy. I moved home, back to LA, and uh, I was very angry at everyone I knew. I was like, "You're all a bunch of fucking hypocrites," and I was very mad because I really wanted to go to Burning Man, <laughs> and I didn't get to go because I was at home trying not to be a drug addict. and uh, And then, um, yeah, I started going to Narcotics Anonymous. Um, and uh,
1: uh, you did someone make you go?
2: No, I. Well, so first, my parents were like, you got to go to rehab or something. But we didn't have like rehab money, rehab money. Like Wait, in, in, just to
1: go back for a second. Yeah. How did you find out that your parents knew?
2: Like, did they call you? They called or? me. Well, okay. first, my sister called me and said, like, what's going on? And I had just like left. I had went to a meeting because mm-hmm. I was once again after getting caught. Uh, they, they were piss testing me. I was living at my friend's house, and your friends were piss testing. My you? friends were piss testing me. Yeah, There's there and some
1: uh, invested friends?
2: There are some invested friends. Like, of course, now I look back and I'm like, God. Oh, I, and they're still all my best friends yeah. forever. But like at the time, I was like, you fucking suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, they were piss testing me, and then um there was a time where like there was a little bit of a lapse where they weren't doing it as much. And then at some like thing, everyone knew I was high <laughs> and I was definitely high. So they're like, let's piss test them again. They did. Uh, my sister calls me as what's going on. And I was like, Oh, nothing. You know, everything's normal. Why are you calling? And it's was like, you know, mom's coming to get you. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's flying to Oakland. And I was just like, what? And then, uh, yeah, then I yelled at my friends and then, threatened to beat one of them with a baseball bat (laughs) and uh yeah it was pretty bad it was very dramatic Mm -hmm. it was uh very cringe and uh basic it was very basic um what did
1: your mom say to you when she first saw you do you remember
2: i don't remember i just remember her being like like uh, the feeling was really (laughs) like i don't have I don't have time or patience for this type of shit. Not not but she was very loving and empathetic, but it was very like, come on, dude. Like what <laughs> is this? Like uh, now like you're you're a drug addict now and I was, you know, I was I was sad that they knew that was a big deal for me. It was mm-hmm. like I didn't want that to like put my shit on them. This is right. my own thing. Um and then uh I think my brother was there too, and everyone was very they were everyone was trying their best not to um no no one wanted to blow up at me Mm because they thought i was like fragile fragile and i i probably was fragile but at the time i was tried to be like guys it's not a big deal all right i just do i just do drugs sometimes i can quit anytime i want and uh once i had moved back i was like i didn't you know i wasn't working at a doctor's office, I didn't have any connections, and the other part of me was just like uh maybe i'll just i i need to at the very least freshen up like you know I was like uh, in my back of my mind, I was like, I'll get high again um oh the last time i used well, i'll tell you a story this is <laughs> the last time uh this is uh, last time I used Dilaudid. um so i when I flew home uh I flew with uh some Dilaudid pills. Do we need to take a commercial break at some point?
1: No, actually. okay, No, we're good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> These next uh, commercials are brought to you by Zalotted. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so uh, I brought the pills with me, um, but I didn't bring any uh, uh, needles. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't bring a rig because I was afraid that, you know, go through the like x-ray and I'd be like, you got needles in there. And I didn't want, I, you know, I don't want my parents to be like, come on, fuck, yeah. <laughs> we're picking you up from the airport. You got needles on you? Jesus. But I brought the pills. Uh, and so there's one thing I hate more than anything um, is uh, swallowing pills to get high. Why? It's, because with opiates, the whole thing, the reason people talk about opiates the reason uh, you see movies about it is because the thing is is when you inject the drug there is a rush feeling mm. that's the thing you see whenever you see a movie and someone's injecting and they're like oh that whole thing that's 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 the, what everyone's chasing. that's what the, that's what okay. they're 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 chasing and that's what they're showing and whatnot uh is is that feeling it's just like it feels like you're like swimming in a warm bath of the blood of your fallen enemies and you just (laughs) are like king Mm -hmm. uh and
1: how long does that feeling last
2: it depends on the opiate um i mean the the rush only lasts a few seconds Mm. um but and then the the high lasts you know for some like dilaudid is like two hours which is not a long time and then like heroin it's like a few more hours like yeah and you fall asleep and mm-hmm. stuff you nod out um but um yeah so i was like i have this dilaudid i've my it's my last hit and i'm not gonna fucking i'm not gonna swallow it because no so i was like looking i was like there's got to be something needle like in this house oh god uh so I looked everywhere and then I found um, a turkey baster. And I was like, you know, one thing I've never tried. Is putting, oh, up your butt. Putting drugs in my butt. <laughs> I've heard you can do that. Now, it's the similar principle to that of uh, snorting because mm-hmm. it's like this thin yeah, membrane. membrane. yeah, And it's like the blood brain barrier or whatever. Right. Basically, you can get high fast in a way. So I took the turkey baster and put the drugs in the baster and uh i got my my legs but you know like a butthole to the lord like Uh like a yoga position sure and put it in and uh and i just started cracking up it was so (laughs) i would got high immediately felt pretty good and as soon as the drugs hit I was like, oh, this is funny. I'm literally hitting bottom right now. (laughs) And, uh, and I was like, you know, this could be a good way to go out. Like this could be it. Maybe it will be, I don't know. So I like allowed myself the idea of maybe that was my final, Mm -hmm. uh, go around with it. And, uh, I went to this like outpatient rehab, the only one that our shitty insurance would, uh, cover at least to some extent. um, and it's just a lot of people trying to convince themselves that that rehab will cure them kind of thing. It was a lot of people who were full of shit. Mm. And, and rehab is filled with people who are trying to convince other people that they get it now. Um, Not a lot of honesty. I mean, it's different for every rehab. But in my experience, I was just like, everyone here – is doing this because someone in their life is forcing them to be okay. here, or or they are going to convince themselves that this place has the answers and this place will fix them, and then they can drink like a normal person and they can just be normal again. It's not a drug problem that they have, but it's just one thing that they were treating, and they'll you know they'll get it treated, and then they'll figure out a way mm-hmm. to cope with things, but still do drugs or do right a, you know. Um so it didn't really work for me uh in terms of like I just wasn't I wasn't inspired mm-hmm. but then I found some local 12 step meetings and was since I was only doing this a couple of days a week at the you know at the rehab thing I was like well I have all these other days in the week where I need to do fucking something um and so I started going to 12 step program and that was the place where I was like oh this is a room full of people who uh like they don't want to be high. addicts yeah. yeah yeah they 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 don't they don't want to continue doing this which was like I didn't know that that was a thing like mm-hmm. not wanting it anymore because right. I was like well I want it and then it was and then it was just like people being honest about stuff and like not even you know directly talking about like no one was doing a monologue about why you know drugs you know drugs are bad because blah 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 like i felt like rehab was a lot of like that mm. like performative performative where, where everyone there was just like today this is what i did i had this experience it was shitty, whatever. Everyone was being real, mm-hmm. and like if you were sad, you said you talked about this that shit made you sad. If you were happy, you talked about shit made you happy. If you had a funny story, you would tell a story. Um, and uh, and I was like, well, this is I don't know, this is kind of cool. And then eventually, I just kind of got the message. I was like, yeah, I guess I don't really want to be high as much as I want uh to have like um like a <laughs> normal like life and like group of friends. And like, there's all this stuff that I want to do that I'm afraid to do and uh, mm-hmm. that I've been putting off and all that stuff. And so, uh, yeah, eventually I just kind of one day led to another, to another made friends with a lot of great people. And then, uh, now it's been 13 years. So I,
1: the Turkey baster was the last time it was,
2: it was last time I used, uh, uh, opiates, um, but three days later, I had like uh, – I raided the uh, liquor cabinet mm. at my parents' house and had a bunch of vodka. And that was the last time I just drank – uh, because I was going through like detox and I right. was like, oh, I need something. So I, I I drank a bunch of vodka and that was it. That was uh, July 27th, uh, 2009.
1: Where did you put the turkey baster after? Please tell me you threw it out.
2: <laughs> yeah, so that's – so I – Oh God! I put it there. Was a dishwasher.
1: No, I mean ugh.
2: Thanksgiving <laughs> has been <laughs> tainted. So tainted for uh, my family doesn't know about that. Eventually, the turkey baster went away because they just bought a new one. But I remember, uh, I remember being like, "I really gotta throw that out. I really gotta throw that," and I just never got around to it. Um,
1: Why didn't you throw it out immediately? Because well, like the, you felt like it would be a tell, yeah, they'd, they'd be like, like Where's, "Where's our, our turkey, turkey baster? baster?" Oh, clearly yeah. it's been in our son's asshole. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, you <laughs> know, I feel
1: like that isn't necessarily where they would have gone with that. I,
2: if you're deductive enough, you <laughs> can think of anything. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think I just thought like, well, what am I gonna, you know, perfectly good turkey perfectly baster. baster. I mean,
1: it is as a question I have. Like, mm. will it's not a question I have Usually had for a long have. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, right yeah. now I'm yeah. wondering. Will a dishwasher disinfect a turkey baster that's been in
2: Matt Lieb's asshole? Well, it's only – it's the outside, not the inside. You know what I mean? Like, the inside just had drugs in it. The outside had the – my butthole on it.
1: Right. (laughs) But if – but you're still putting the outside of the turkey baster into a turkey.
2: Oh, wait a minute. Are you
1: using it to squeeze the – yeah.
2: Yeah. Do you – I mean – Listen, I've never actually basted a turkey, so I don't know what you do with it. I assume you put it in the stuffing and you – Well, but, now
1: I'm remembering I've seen my dad like use it to soak up the like turkey juice. Right, and, then and put it on top of the top. turkey. So yeah. maybe – no, but then the outside is still touching the juice. I get – I mean you're making a sort of a point. I think I also
2: I, – I can't imagine that I didn't also like wash it. You know, with soap and water first, and then put it in.
1: Right, because you're a considerate addict.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was like, but I, I, you know, I don't. It's not like I was like, I didn't put it back in the drawer and go, right. yeah, enjoy your poo poo turkey.
1: Can we talk about twelve step for a moment, even though they even though you're not you're really allowed. not supposed to. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um,
1: so I. Well,
2: you're just not supposed to. It's uh, promote. It's just right. attraction. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um. I d- I've dabbled on and off. Mm-hmm. It's been a while, but yeah. uh, I never fully did all the steps. Yeah, and yeah. I've been told that like you missed out on the best part. Yeah,
2: yeah. but I, I, it,
0: but
1: even just going mm-hmm. repeatedly to meetings helped me immensely.
2: That's the thing. That's the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and what you're saying about like a room full of people being honest, mm-hmm. like that just um, like I almost had a little bit of an emotional reaction here. And you talk about it because yeah. I remember how. Much I felt like it was just like it was like a balm to my soul, like it was yeah. exactly what I needed in those times of my life that I went, yeah, so here's the thing though, I always think about that thing they say, which what I thought it was self knowledge avails you nothing mm-hmm. that's how I always that's what I always thought it was okay, and I'm a person who's very like I've been in therapy for a long time right. I'm like all about self knowledge yeah, yeah I yeah. feel like awareness yeah. and um you know, understanding yourself is such a huge thing. Yeah. So, and yet I always remember this line and I don't know if it's in the big book or where is it, but it's something that I've heard in meetings a, t- a ton of times, self-knowledge avails you nothing. But recently I looked it up mm-hmm. and I learned it's actually, and maybe you already know this, it's mm-hmm. self-knowledge availed us nothing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's that like when you were using knowledge of yourself didn't, but it like my, my understanding of it totally shifted because it's not that now self-knowledge avails us nothing. It's that then it didn't yeah, it's, help us it's
2: about a very specific um i think type of addict too
1: which is what the one who's like i know what i'm the doing the one
2: the one who is thinks they're smarter than mm. the room the one right. who thinks they're they're smarter than every other drug addict who's ever come before them it's like the difference between me and these other assholes is that i know i'm a drug addict mm. i know why i'm using i know all of the underlying fucking like subconscious traumas I'm dealing with. Right. And knowing that all I have to do is avoid these triggers mm. and I can do this on my own. It's like, it's basically just an excuse uh, for why you don't need all this stuff because I already know Got you're it. not going to teach me anything. that I don't know yes. already. And, uh, and of course the, Point of meetings is not to teach you stuff you don't. It's like you will learn about yourself in a thousand different ways, and none of them have to do with reading a book, right? You know, like you might, of course, learn stuff from from reading the basic text or from reading the big book, but like, um, you're if if it were the case that you could, like, self knowledge is enough to get clean uh then people just read the book and be done and be done yeah no it's the community
1: it's the yeah
2: or people yeah it's honestly that's the whole thing to me like the steps i think are very important i think they can be incredibly helpful but like at the end of the day it's a group of people addicts getting together who all have had similar experiences who have all even if they you know haven't like done the same drugs the same amount of time they haven't lost the same amount of Shit, Mm -hmm. They haven't dealt with the same amount of consequences. It's knowing those feelings um, and knowing, especially for addicts and alcoholics, just like a very specific type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And talking about it in like an open and honest way and just keeping each other, like holding each other accountable. Like Mm -hmm. that is the shit. Like, you know, I had a group of friends who I think were all – I, and they're still my friends to this day uh who you know they all drank they all like uh, did drugs but they're all like wonderful people um very few of them were actually addicts uh only one of that group of friends who had the intervention ended up i was like helped him okay. once he had his issues um and they were all they're all like uh, great people but there's really Nothing compared to a group of addicts all getting together in a room and talking about their shit and uh, and and making friends and fellowshipping and, like, going out and just kind of, like, having someone to call when you're dealing with mm-hmm. shit that you fucking um, don't really want to tell someone who doesn't have similar experiences. I mean, it's uh, growing to trust people. And I think yeah. for some people, they don't even have, like, that initial group of friends who are all totally, like, fine and good and – You know, there. It's not just about like, oh, you need friends. It's Mm -hmm. like you need a community of addicts, right? And and that, I think that keeps people clean more than anything else. Yeah. More than, but that's my experience. That's what keeps me clean more than anyone else. I know some people who who swear by the steps. Mm -hmm. I know some people who swear by service, um, like going, like having commitments at different meetings and stuff. Um, for me, it's all been about. Going to meetings and and service to people, not just service commitments at meetings. Like mm-hmm. service to – mostly as a clean person, I have uh, – uh, like one of the things that's helped me stay clean is meeting a new person, especially in comedy, who's like – calls me up and is like, I know you're – however many you're sober. Um, I need – I have some issues. And can you help take me to a meeting? That's kept me clean more than anything. Mm-hmm. It's like taking other comics to meetings and watching them get clean. And, you know, I, sometimes I feel bad because I, I don't have, like, the same meeting attendance that I once did. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not as involved as I once was. But most of my comedian, like, friends are are all addicts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, for me, that says something. It says that I like being surrounded by addicts who are trying to get better mm-hmm. and trying not to use. Uh, so, Yeah. So that's what works for me.
1: So, you went to college with Vince, right?
2: No, no, oh, no, oh. no, He went to like uh what did he go to like Columbia? Something like that? No, no. He did? Yeah. I think so. Well, for grad school, I don't know where. Oh. He, no, you went to San you uh, UC San Diego. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I went to Santa Cruz. I didn't okay. know Vince until the stand-up comedy scene in uh in uh San Francisco.
1: Okay. Um well, then I'm not going to ask if he knew.
2: Oh, no. No, I didn't meet Vince till I was uh, nice and sober. But I was also a fucking weirdo. So he loved me.
1: (laughs) So before, though, I had said, like, do you know, and I'm sure it's a huge constellation of stuff, but basically, like, if someone were to say, like, well, why did you use? Like, were you running away from something? Mm. What do you think?
2: Um, I think for me it was uh, just a – it, I just have lots of like anxiety and I have uh, a lot of um it, it, for me there's not like a specific trauma it wasn't like uh you know uh, I was dealing with uh what uh, any number of traumas that you can use to be like oh that's why mm. they do that um for me it really was um a self-medication thing about my brain mm-hmm. and the way my my brain attacks me and the way my thoughts attack me the way that like um i uh the way i cope with uh any kind of anxiety it was just like it just helped me drugs were very helpful for me to not be a depressed person Mm -hmm. to not be an anxious person to you know like it was it made me uh more sociable and um more confident Mm -hmm. i mean and that's like a I'm not doing an advertisement for drugs, but you ask any drug addict, like a lot of times, there's a lot of drug addicts who are like, "Well, the drugs saved my life early on." Yeah, and and that's true of I think a lot of people is just like it's a self medication thing, and I just uh, for me it was just it was like what if uh, what if every day I could be like um, you know chill <laughs> like what if I every day I was like happy mm-hmm. you know and uh and not filled with like crushing anxiety and stuff and you know I, there's all sorts of like diagnoses like I have ADHD or you know whatever who doesn't but like I don't know how to diagnose it other than like I just had some severe fucking head case stuff going on where I was just and you know to this day I still have that mm. stuff I just cope differently
1: do you have to, do you deal with depression
2: um I don't I I do but I I don't um have uh I, I don't have clinical depression. Mm-hmm. Um but uh you know I have ADHD, I have anxiety and I'm sure I have all sorts of other shit in the DSM 6 or whatever number it's on now. Um but uh yeah, I mean people cope with that shit sometimes through legitimate quote-unquote medications and sometimes through recreational drug use Mm -hmm. i mean shit half of that shit could just be adolescence who knows you know uh but yeah uh i I feel like i I don't i don't have like a an origin story so much as Mm -hmm. like uh i just was introduced to drugs early on and was pretty sure that They weren't just going to automatically kill you, Mm -hmm. or you wouldn't end up with like one arm in the hospital, like Jared Leto at the end of fucking Requiem for a Dream. I forgot that's how it (laughs) ends. Yeah. Got the little wing <sighs> fuck him uh, <laughs> and, uh watching that movie i was just like well yeah stop shooting in that arm he's got all these beautiful veins mm. all throughout his the, he's got
1: a b- butthole he's
2: got he's got a butthole like the fact that he's just like oh i'm gonna use the most disgusting vein it's like this was written by someone who's never done a drug do you think so <laughs> oh yeah or he's never n- never done yeah. um heroin or, or any intravenous drugs right because nobody would shoot in that vein mm-hmm. he had a whole other arm
1: yeah you just shoot, you it took me right out of the movie
2: and for me i was like and also they would do this thing where It was like they did a bunch of like quick cuts mm-hmm. and then shoot he shoots up and then his his eye uh, yeah. expands and i'm like nope opposite it pins. pins yeah
1: tony have you seen requiem for a dream
3: once a long time ago. Real
1: disturbing movie. It's
3: yeah, disturbing. very much. I actually, that's the only time this has ever happened to me. I usually can, like, handle things all right. And yeah. literally, that movie, the, I saw it in the theater. Credits mm-hmm. came up. I turned to my friends. I was like, I don't feel good. I'm yeah, going that's to you that, throw I, up? I didn't actually throw up, but when I was trying to find the bathroom, then at this movie theater, the bathroom was upstairs. And I'm oh, like, God. oh my God. And I literally was like, grabbing wow. the arm rail with oh, both no. hands <laughs> see that's what i felt like the movie was for
2: i felt like the movie was for it felt like a really arty after school special yes mm-hmm. and it, c- uh, just because it was so this is what happens with drugs like what i mean the performances are great uh, ellen Burstyn is like the fucking that's like one of the greatest performances ever she's so good in that movie so taking nothing away from her but that character of like you know uh hey hey you know jared leto's character of like hey my god like you know i gotta take the tv and then i'm gonna point it and then i'm gonna get it back that way i get the drugs i was like what is this? Is this like a 1970s guy. <laughs> like, what is this character? It's so right. dumb. And then like their, their whole, I don't know, the, the, the whole thing to me, I was just like, talk about like, it's the thing about drugs is that if you try to sell a don't do drugs thing with the most like fucking intense, mm-hmm. like you're going to lose your arm. You gonna be in the hospital and you're hot. Like Jared Leto. <laughs> uh, that actually doesn't make you not want to do drugs. I, I feel like, That is part of the fear mongering. It's fear mongering. And it's also part of like what people need to know is that there's the like drugs are actually the least glorious thing. Mm -hmm. Most of drugs is uh, like at least with opiates is going to (laughs) sleepy and be sleepy, baby. Uh, Most of it is incredibly mundane Mm -hmm. because it's not like this like fucking you know cool journey it's just like a slog it's a job it's like you give yourself the job of staying high mm-hmm. and the stuff that you do to get high is like stupid it's just you do a bunch of stupid shit and all so that you can sit for a extended period of time and not think and so it's like to be like oh no you know look at look at this it's like he's lost his arm yeah, his descent into yeah it's it's Hell. too uh it gl- it's it's not glorifying it but it's like in a way it is you mm-hmm. know what i mean and it's like but no one wants to watch a movie about a drug addict too that's why i love the wire actually is that that is the most honest portrayal of drug addiction ever through bubbles character
1: i haven't seen the wire oh
2: yeah i know you haven't because so, i want you on my part
1: i know and i really want to come on
2: yeah but you have to
1: tell me how okay tony have you seen the wire
2: I have. It's been a while. But. How
1: many seasons till till it hooks you? Because my understanding is it's a, it's a lot.
2: I know. Okay. So there's five seasons altogether. They're all about 12, 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, except for the last one's like 10. Um, uh, it's hard to say. Everyone's different because sometimes that first season, it takes people multiple episodes to like get hooked into mm-hmm. it because it throws you into the deep end. It's incredibly dense. Um it is it every conversation that they're having, uh they don't there's no exposition where they go like, oh, there there he is. Rawls, the uh the colonel of the homicide unit of Baltimore. <laughs> it's just like you they just expect you to they, figure it out. They eventually you will figure it out. Eventually you will and they you know, names, names, names happen, and it's just like what, 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 what? Um, so sometimes it takes people a couple episodes. Sometimes it takes them like halfway through the season. And then the second season, they shift the focus away from all the people you just learned about. And so it's like a lot of people drop off at that second season. But let me tell you that if you just allow yourself the space to watch it uh, like uninterrupted and like – paying attention, but not trying to pay attention to every detail. Okay. Just let the story wash over you the way any other would. Um, eventually, you get a feel for what's important and what's not important. And the show is so good that upon rewatch, all the shit that you thought was like not important
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, becomes the most fascinating shit on the show. Huh. But the first time around... You're just gonna just enjoy what you would enjoy as a, as a regular person. The way I would watch the show is, uh, watch it as a uh, uh, a show about how the police really are. Like watch it as a show about how the police don't want to work. Mm. How nobody wants to do the job of detective, and how the um. The city policing, uh, the city policing budget should be cut. <laughs> yeah, watch it. Watch it from a perspective of like, oh, this is what it's actually like to be both a policeman and someone who sells drugs. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it, it's not boring, but it feels like it's gonna be boring. <laughs> it's so it's, it's it's hard to sell this show because the things the reasons i like it now <laughs> are not the reasons i liked it then then i guess I, I, I when the first time i watched it i liked it because it was cool seeing what like probably the most accurate depiction mm-hmm. of uh the way the drug game works in the baltimore projects or in projects in general work like seeing that depiction going oh wow this is like because it's written by david simon and ed burns one was a Detective and the other one was a journalist for uh, the Baltimore Sun. So it's not, there's no embellishing. Mm-hmm. There's no, uh, you know, um, villainizing of it's not good, it's not good guys versus bad guys. Right. It's not cops and robbers. It's shit.
1: Not Law and Order SVU. It's not Law
2: and Order <laughs> SVU. It's like, it's everyone is, uh, the motivations of the cops and the drug dealers are the same. And you see that kind of mm-hmm. like, uh, you see the parallels between it and you go, oh yeah. And then, when you humanize both of these jobs, you kind of uh, you kind of see where the like oh this is why the drug war will never work mm-hmm. and, and you start basically coming to a bunch of other conclusions about society that you maybe haven't before because before you saw a little bit more in black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also really funny and uh, it's subtly funny, but it is incredibly funny at times.
1: All right. I'll watch it. Right now, I am finishing Fleischman is in Trouble. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? No. It's good. Um, And then maybe I'll watch The Wire. Maybe I'll do it. You should. Then I can come on your show.
2: I would love it because it's a great show and... You're a great guest. You, you were you were, you. you were on our Sopranos podcast, and you are two of my favorite episodes. Oh, thank yeah, you so, so
1: much. Thank yeah. you. Um, so we have some questions that people have sent in. I am on Patreon, patreon.com, slash Allison Rosen. Uh, there's all sorts of rewards. You can get rewards. Uh, bonus episodes oh, of The Friend yeah. Zone, my Patreon podcast. There's yeah. a where you can text me, and I'll text you back. You can see videos of The Thursday Show, all sorts of stuff. This video, though, mm-hmm. youtube.com, slash Allison Rosen. Please nice. subscribe, like, Comment, do all the things, leave it running when you go out of the room. Um, uh, But people can send in their questions and get them to the head of the line. I also take them on Twitter and we have a little song. When we ask,
0: they send them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering
1: these questions from our fans. All right. Charles Evanescence wants to know. Mm-hmm. Charles Evanescence Cheese. Yeah,
2: Charles E. Cheese. Chuck e. Cheese.
1: Does his mom still drive that minivan? He knows the one.
2: Uh, no, that minivan broke down. He's referring to a minivan in which one time when I was a single person, uh, I told a story on the broadcast. I, I met a girl and uh, we, uh, you know, I was, I took my mom's minivan to go pick her up and we we're making out and stuff. And she was like, um. Can I, I've always wanted to feel what it was like to choke a man. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so she, I was in the front seat and she straddled me and I was like, yeah, this is hot. And then she really choked me very hard. Mm. And I was like, Ugh. and then I kind of like pulled her hands back and just like, cause I was like, no, yeah. cause it was like very was startling. Yeah. And then when I did that, she spit in my face oh. and I was like okay i think i put her on the side seat i was like that was a that was a strange experience and she was like oh sorry i'm sorry about that it's like <laughs> and you know what she was just she was so beautiful that i was like that's okay <laughs> it was, anyways yeah no that, that minivan's gone
1: okay but but what memories yeah uh tim mcdermott wants to know what does quicksand feel like is this a reference too?
2: Yeah, these are all these are all going to be references. Uh, I've never been in quicksand. I talked about the uh, existence of quicksand porn on on the frackcast before, and so now. that's a thing. Yeah, it's like it's porn where it's, it's, sometimes there's not even nudity. It's just women sinking slowly, oh. and they're just like help, <laughs> and uh, and it's kind of there's like I don't know. It's a little bit hot. I don't know why it's hot. Mm-hmm. But it exists, and uh, I talked about it on the broadcast, and uh, now everyone's gonna give me references. Give me shit for
1: so, like the porn studios, though, have quicksand. No, to this was one in?
2: very <laughs> specific studio uh, called what was it called? Like like quicksand visuals or something but- like that, and uh, and yeah, they just find like a, a mud bog. They pretend it's quicksand mm. and then they pretend that they're sinking in quicksand. Sometimes they're topless. but I most- mean, I
1: wouldn't even know how to find a mud bog.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, they I would assume they live near one right. because who just would even consider a mud yeah. bog as a – but yeah. Uh, as a set. Yeah, as a set. Uh, but yeah, then I watched it and I f- felt strange because it did turn me on and then I realized that that was the whole genre of porn. <laughs>
1: What was the turn on about it?
2: I don't know. Okay. There was a time when I was a little kid. I remember before I had like sexual feelings where I would see quicksand in stuff and I would get like aroused. Oh my
1: God. It was the quicksand, not the woman that turned you on?
2: I think it was the idea of slowly uh, being sucked into a into a, a thing. Mm-hmm. Is the same thing with like uh, people like uh, the idea of getting squeezed and eaten by a snake? That also made me excited? Yeah, but like a childhood excited. Yeah. You're not horn hor, you're not horny because you don't know what horny is, mm-hmm. but you're like you're feeling feelings that you don't understand. Okay,
1: I'm going to share something that I've never talked about on the show. <laughs> Hell yeah. I remember being at my friend's house and like I don't know what game we were playing. It was not sexual though, but I I feel like they like covered me with a blanket and then sat on me. Yeah. And I, this was young. Yeah. But, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the youngest sort of sexual charge you can get. Yeah. I remember having like being super like into that feeling.
2: Yeah.
1: And I've never pursued it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would suggest uh, being eaten by a snake. Being, yeah. Get eaten by a snake. Or, I mean, <laughs> so they, they would put a blanket on you and then
1: yeah, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a game that happened often.
2: But, the, I, but, but, but they sat is... on you.
1: Yeah, I was, like, covered by a blanket, and then the weight of people was on me.
2: And there was something sexual, like, sexually yeah. charged in it as a little kid, which is I not sexual. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: like, it, I didn't identify it as sexual, but it was, like, a rush it was an that, ar- in looking back. Yeah, you're yeah maybe like, oh, erotic that, or something. Yeah,
2: well, and some sort of arousal was going yes, on. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, who knows? That's the thing. It's like, I never once would have considered the idea that seeing someone slowly drown in quicksand – uh, would turn me on, but then I, 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 I discovered it accidentally. I was on YouTube, and there was this video. Uh, I don't know how it was like down a rabbit hole, and then I was like just watching this really. That che- also
1: turns people on.
2: Yeah, going down, down a, rabbit a rabbit hole. hole. Yeah. yeah, but it was cheesy, and I was like, "What is this?" And then she was just like, "Help, help!" And and I was like, "This is so weird. How did I?" And as I was watching it, I was like, "Oh, wow. Hmm. Huh? That's I don't know what." Right. What, uh, I, what are you feeling? Uh, I don't know. Oh, exactly, dog. Like, that shit got weird. Yeah.
1: Uh, Duncan, would he rather eat 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Which sauce would he use?
2: 100 horse-sized.
1: Duck-sized horses. Duck-sized horses. Yeah. Or one horse-sized duck. Horse-sized duck. Eat. Okay, yeah.
2: Yeah, because I'd rather eat a duck, a duck than, than a horse. Than a horse. Yeah. And what
1: sauce would you use?
2: Uh, there's a lot of good duck sauces out there. There's, um. I would use duck sauce. That's it just that's makes sense. That's a good one. But also, like, I would have some barbecue sauce with it. Maybe, maybe I would have some buffalo duck. I would do every sauce. It's a horse. Size. Yeah, you got
1: a lot. It's a lot a of lot. duck. Yeah, hey,
2: Arby's get that horsey sauce. Oh, that's such good. Su- I love Arby's duck.
1: Dre three money, and this is the last one. Uh huh. How does he lum so hard? Uh, this and- is
2: another cast. <laughs> this is the problem with asking Twitter. Is anyone know. who knows me? is going to only ask the s- most specific questions that are only people who listen to the podcast. See, I figured
1: you might get some good mythical morning questions.
2: No, people on good mythical morning uh they only know me as the characters I play for the most part, which is like uh, basically just a couple different ones uh-huh. that they just keep they keep having me back over and over. I love working at mythical. I don't understand what they see in me. But how
1: did, how did that come about?
2: I was, uh, it was the last thing that my manager got me, me and my manager, he like, he broke up with me. He was like, I don't have the bandwidth. And I was just like, don't band with me. (laughs) And, uh, and yeah, he forwarded me, um, this, you know, they wanted a self tape. Um, and I sent them a self tape and then I got it. And then I, I didn't know the show. I was like, I think I know those guys. And then, uh, uh, th- at this point they had been they'd hired a bunch of people uh to be like part of like the mythical crew as mm-hmm. like a on-camera talent and um and it was a it was a lot of fun it was it was great but then one by one like those people stopped coming to work um and then i just was like the last one standing and i don't know why i think i think it's i think people like me and uh that is the reason why they're just like oh that's cool let's have him back even though like one of the characters i play is like uh, there's this with two food service workers me and uh patty played by emily fleming who's a writer and performer on that show she's amazing and i play this guy domino's dirk and we have this we wrote this whole like love arc for us and like anyone who's a fan who's like uh, on reddit or anything they're just like what is this i hate this <laughs> so cringy and i'm like yeah i'm right there with you man I, uh, I but the more you're angry at it the more i want us to do it yeah. so we just kept leaning into it and uh and eventually like we had like a whole wedding we did a whole mythical wedding where it was me and dirk and patty get married we just had a dirk and patty baby shower <laughs> like one of the things i love about the mythical people is their commitment to the the like creative content over the um like the loudest most negative fans out right. there who are just like I only want this and it's just like yeah well you know it's it listen it's it's all slop you're gonna eat the slop or you're not gonna eat the slop eat the slop I say here's the thing about all fans piggies I'm a piggy you're a piggy We all love our slop. Mm. The problem with the internet is we all get to complain about the slop. Oh, the slop wasn't good this week. I don't like this guest on the slop cast. Guess what? It's slop. You're going to eat it anyways, you fucking hog.
1: Oh, I love this. It's First of all, it's respectful of the listener. It's
2: respectful of the... <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: Not I, respectful of the, of the let's, show. Let's listen,
2: I'm just saying. No, You've got to have a healthy amount of disdain. Yeah. A healthy amount of disdain. And, and, and I'm no, a piggy for stuff. I'm a piggy for the wire. They serve me up a little wire. I'll pig out. Put it in the trough. I'll get my little snout in it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've... No, I've had similar thoughts, which are like... There's shows that I love, that I watch every single week. Yeah. And I definitely have opinions about this or that, but I don't want them to change it because of my opinion. But Part of I, the joy of it is complaining about
2: the slop. Right. Exactly. And, you know, it's it's never going to always be to your liking. Yeah. But, you know, don't respond to the piggies. You're the farmer. You put out. It's so inspirational. You, you put out the slop. They yeah. come to you. And, you know, if they leave, there's a thousand other piggies who want the slop. So you just say, you know. Do you you're gonna make content you do it for yourself you don't you don't respond to every single yeah. fan you don't like make it perfect because you're never gonna please everybody so yeah, and if anyone from mythical listen to that whole thing uh, j k obviously you guys are all great <laughs> <laughs> I love the fan no, but the people uh, who are mythical fans uh who like the jerk and patty stuff, I'm always like. See, you guys are yeah. you guys are cool because you understand that it's supposed to be silly and stupid and they're just kind of letting us have fun. Uh, and the people who hate it. Hey, you know what? There's more slop out there for you.
1: Matt, it was so nice having you on the show. All How right. are we doing?
2: Minute and 30 seconds. All right. We
1: can do it. All right. Tell everyone where they can find you.
2: You can find me. When does this episode come out? Uh Monday. Okay. So Monday. Yeah. Uh, okay. You can find me at, uh, at Matt Lieb on Twitter or, uh, at Matt Lieb jokes on Instagram. Also listen to my podcast, pot yourself a gun. Right now we're doing the wire. Um, more importantly than anything else, you don't even have to listen to it. If you just go to. Pod yourself a gun on uh, Apple Podcast Store and you give us five stars in a review, that would be sick. Because you know what? I saw you got like so many reviews, dog. You got like six thousand reviews. I just want to hit a thousand. We're like almost there. Do so it. Pod yourself everyone. a gun, Apple Podcast Store, and also listen to it. Uh but mostly give us five stars in a yeah. review.
1: And then also, uh, do, do I mean yes, I have a lot, but I need more. So if you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, please even if you don't, please make sure you're subscribed, tell a friend, all the things you do for a podcast, click five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Leave us a review. We read them on the show. Uh, follow me on social media at Alison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. I already mentioned Patreon. I'm also on Cameo and YouTube.com slash Alison Rosen. Tony, what about you? Twitter and Instagram at Tony Thaxton.
3: And Bizarre Albums every Tuesday.
1: We're racing against the clock because we're about to <laughs> run out of space. You guys, Thank you so much for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, t-